Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. Okay, hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Suzanne Webb from Exclusive Surgery Solutions. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Here's the game plan. What we seek to do on this show is challenge the status quo and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to lower their healthcare costs and also improve value for their employees. I think there's there's been a there hasn't been a lot of focus on that in in healthcare uh, for a long time. So sound like something you'd like to help with? Yes, I would. That's exactly right. what I started this company for. Awesome. So Suzanne, your background is is very unique, different from a lot of the guests that we've had on the show because you spent the majority of your career working for providers, uh, and that included working as a CFO for a hospital and operating a medical billing company. So let's just start, give, give the audience um, a little bit of background about your career in healthcare and, and really what caused you to start a company that, that is now serving payers of healthcare. Okay. So I've always been, like I said, I love the actual provider side. I love working with the doctors. I've been in the industry since 1987, started with Universal Health Services at Owen Hospitals across the country. Uh, my first deal for really running a hospital was when I started working for a residential treatment center in Florida. And I got a chance to actually work side by side with the provider um, and to get them paid. So my entire focus has always been getting the um, physicians paid, getting them to um, recognize the highest dollar that they could get um, for the services that they were providing. And so tell us, you know, how that evolved into, you know, launching your current company where, you know, you're you're no longer serving the providers, but you're actually trying to serve, you know, employers. Yeah, a lot of it. So when I ran my billing company, the one thing we specialized on was out-of-network providers. So we dealt with the surgeon, the anesthesia, and the, and the ambulatory surgery center. And we actually focused more on, on figuring out what employers had great benefits, how those benefits were being used, and how to actually get my doctors paid. As I looked at that example, I was like, we're not getting to the core of it wasn't a benefit that everyone could use. So everyone didn't have access to these great doctors. And as the insurances changed, where there was a higher deductible, it was even harder for these patients to actually see these great doctors because the deductibles went to 3,500, 5,000. So it really brought to, to light that we needed to have better access to better surgeons. When it comes right down to it, in order to fix healthcare, people have to see better doctors. They have to have a better result. So the reason that we went then to uh, the employers was how do I actually get direction from the employers where they can actually send their patients to see these great doctors? So before we, we get into the product, you know, exclusive surgery solutions delivers, you know, to employers, you know, let's just start, at, you know, at the macro level um, about healthcare in general. I just actually saw an article that that indicated that medical inflation was going to be between six and seven percent for 2018, which in general I don't believe, as I see higher average trend closer to nine to eleven percent when all ACA fees are incorporated into medical premium. But the article goes on to say that the majority of the trend increase is due to unit costs with utilization relatively flat, and and this supports other studies I've seen recently. So you know, tell me in your words, you know, someone that's worked. In, in healthcare for a long time, you know, what do you what do you see as as what's wrong with healthcare in in this country, and why do you think unit costs of healthcare continue to increase at such a high rate? 
Um, I think it's interesting that unit cost is going up when most adopters are making less money. So it's very interesting that all of the rest of the services around getting to a doctor has increased. We've got more levels of, of people that have to approve the work to be done. And so it's just added cost. There's more layers of individuals that are providing care, but that are either prior authorizing it or helping set up the network or doing things that, that don't actually reflect in the care that the patient receives. That's that's fascinating. There's another um, gentleman that we interviewed on this podcast, Dave Berg, and, and he had he had similar thoughts that um, the message from the marketplace, you know, is essentially wrong is what he said, that, you know, healthcare costs aren't actually increasing, that it's just the administrative burden, you know, that keeps increasing. So I think I think that's an interesting, uh, you know, perspective. Let's jump into your company. Um, you know, your company is called Exclusive Surgery Solutions. And, um, you know, tell the audience what, what your service is and specifically what problem you're attempting to solve for, for the payer of healthcare for an employer. Okay, so the problem that we're trying to, that I'm solving is getting you to the better surgeon. Because most of the surgeons that are very good, they've got a long career, they, they work on the professional athletes, are out, all out of network. They're not looking to be controlled by an insurance company. So they, they go out of network, more or less. And the reason doctors go out of network is just to keep that control. If you're an in-network provider, you have to actually call the insurance company and beg permission to do a surgery. And 65% of the time, you're told no, that surgery is not authorized. The doctors that want to treat patients drop their contracts because they want to be able to give care. And so with that, most a lot of plans have an out-of-network benefit that they can utilize. What we're doing is cutting through all the middle of it and saying, you know what, you want to get to a great doctor, let's actually set that up so it is part of an in-network benefit. So you don't have to pay an out-of-network fee. And that's what we've been able to create with exclusive surgery. So the employers that are working with us and the TPAs, they actually put us as a first tier. And that way there's no... Uh, it doesn't, the patient doesn't have to pay the ad of network. They can still go to those good doctors because I pre-negotiated with them a reasonable rate for their services. Got it. And so, so that, I think that speaks to it from the, from the perspective of, of the provider, you know, the, the dissatisfaction with the payment methodology and, and, uh, you know, having insurance companies, you know, dictate, you know, what they're getting paid for their service. Um, but from, from an employer's standpoint, employers are concerned with cost, right? Right. And, and conventional wisdom says that employers are, are getting the best deal from the insurance carrier network discount. And so, you know, clearly for you to bring this to the marketplace, there has to be some value in cost to the employer. So are, are you know, are what you telling me is that the, the prices that you're able to set with these, with these surgeons is, is a better deal than, than the insurance network discount? Yes, because the surgeons that we're using are utilizing ambulatory surgery centers, they are actually so much cheaper than going to the hospital that by bundling the surgeon, anesthesia, and the um, facility, I'm able to bring it in at a much greater savings. Most of our clients are seeing a 30 to 40% savings on what they are paying right now through their network. Got it. That's that's fascinating. So so if if provider if, if there's that much saving, 35 to 40% savings, you know, it sounds like the providers would be taking less money than than if, you know, going through insurance. Um, so what's in it for them to take, you know, less money? Is it just just less hassle, less administrative burden? It's got both. So the one side of it is they're really not getting paid less. In an out-of-network scenario, a doctor may bill $10,000, but after it goes through um, negotiations and it goes through pricing, 
thing, he may only get 3000 And then, and so the rest of it is either applied to the patient or he collects it. So it's not as if they're getting paid less. They actually know ahead of time what they're going to get paid. So if I say, I'm going to pay you as a surgeon $3,000 for that procedure, I'm also going to pay them in 10 days. So there's no patient AR, there's no insurance AR, they get their money immediately. So it's got both sides of it. They're still getting the same amount. Being in the industry for 20 years, I know what they make on every surgery. So instead of having those really high numbers and the really low ones, we're coming in completely at the average and say, what would you like to make on every surgery to stay in business and make a profit? And they actually communicate that with me. So it's not the surgeons that are the problem. They want to take care of patients and they'll do it at a reasonable rate. That's in, that's interesting. So this this completely gets rid of the whole build charge versus ridiculously network dis- low di- network discount and you know the potential for an employee to be balanced billed. Correct. All of those are gone. The, the doctor doesn't have to worry about, well, what did I end up getting paid on that? I mean, we're used to repricers. That's what we've done forever. You send it out, the repricing group reprices it and says, this is what we're willing to pay you. So for most doctors and most surgeons, especially, they're not sure what they get paid on most of these procedures. So we're really looking at what is it that you need to make on these procedures to stay in business. And like I said, I've had a great response from the surgeons coming in with reasonable rates and things that they want to get paid. That's interesting. Just that statement, you know, these surgeons, they're not sure what they're going to get paid, you know, because if they're, if they're one, if they're taking insurance or even if they're not, they're not sure what the out-of-network reimbursement would be and then what the burden, the, the out-of-network burden would be on the employee. So they meet with somebody, they, you know, decide that they're going to move forward with the, surg- with the, with the surgery, uh, but at the end of the day, before they perform the procedure, they don't even know what they're going to get paid. That's correct. Yeah. And that's um, definitely one of the things I wanted to solve. I wanted to solve the fact that, you know, these doctors are working so hard and because the insurance company is so good at delaying payment on them, that sometimes it takes six months to a year before they're even paid for a surgery that they completed, you know, much, much earlier, but yet they've got no control over that. They'll send in medical records, they'll fight with the insurance companies, they'll do everything they can to get that procedure paid. And at that point, then they go, well, two of the line items weren't paid, or this wasn't approved. And and it really is fighting for a very long time after the procedure to get that doctor paid for a service that he did a great job with. Right, which which sounds sounds like an awful experience. <laughs> Um, so, you know, just thinking about this, you know, it, one of the problems that we see when you're using a traditional insurance structure, i.e. a network, um, is, is the same thing. Just like, you know, what, what you mentioned, the provider doesn't know, you know, what he's going to get paid. On the flip side, you know, an employee doesn't know what the cost is going to be ahead of time and what their out-of-pocket could be in a hospital. There could be a facility fee, a surgeon's fee, an anesthesiologist fee, and and even worse, the anesthesiologist might not be in network. And so, you know, pricing can vary significantly from, from hospital to hospital. So if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about the concept of a bundled price and, and what that means and how it relates to typical billing procedures in a hospital setting. Well, in a hospital setting, it doesn't really work because hospitals all use line item billing. So they actually are billing you for every supply that's used and everything that is utilized. So that's why I don't typically use hospitals and go to the ambulatory surgery center because there we're already bundling. So everything in the OR, everything that's brought into the room for that patient is already included in the um, charge or in the, um, yeah, in the build rate. Got it. So there's, so, so just to contrast to the experience, right? In a hospital, you know, line item build for everything. Um, 
you know, there's the risk that the anesthesiologist, you know, might not be a contracted provider and that, you know, the patient could end up with a huge balance bill. And through an ambulatory surgical center, you know, it's just one price and everything's included, surgeon, uh, operating room, and the anesthesiologist. So there's no surprises. Right. So in our system, it's that way. But for regular, just if you're getting a bill right now from an ambulatory surgery center, it's not line item billed. You get one price. The anesthesiologist and the surgeon is still separate. So we are taking all of those experience and just saying, when you all work together, let's come up with a rate for you all to get paid. And that's, it really is in that pre-negotiation, but then also letting the doctors tell me what they need. So we don't go in and say, here's a price for this procedure. You meet with the patient, you look at them. If you know that procedure is going to take you two hours, you're pricing the surgery in the bundle for that two hours. So it gives doctors the flexibility to be surgeons. They're not like limited to a set price. We talk about what that surgery is going to cost, very similar to, to what plastic surgeons do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. I think, I think that's a big, that's a big important difference, um, you know, for, for our audience to consider um, just from a, uh, a simplicity standpoint of, of what you're paying, but also from, you know, a, a consumer experience um, because from a consumer standpoint, you know, going to a hospital, getting a procedure done, and then finding out after the fact that you've got, you know, huge bills that you didn't anticipate. Um, this is a way different experience because the consumer is going to know on the front end, you know, what their, their liability is going to be from an out-of-pocket uh, expense standpoint, correct? That's absolutely correct. If there's anything to do from the patient, they know ahead of time, they prepay it, they get no bills afterwards. So what we're really trying to do is, like you say, simplify the entire procedure. After the surgery, <clears throat> the doctor needs to get paid and so does everyone else. If the patient pays ahead of time, there are no bills coming to you. You don't get a ton of, you know, those standard bills that you get every month saying, oh, you owe us more money. They just don't happen. What a novel concept. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun once once the employer and once people get it, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so simple. This is how it should be. You know, we want everyone paid and the insurance carriers now just make it impossible for doctors and surgeons, especially the anesthesiologists. That's why more of them go out of network. They're just not getting paid. That's 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 interesting. And uh, that's, that's generally probably not the story that you hear on the other side. One of the deficiencies, I think, in a, in a traditional setting is, you know, if somebody goes into a hospital for procedure and, you know, there are complications and they're readmitted, um, most times the hospital just gets paid twice. So for, for the, these price bundles for surgeries through the ambulatory surgical centers, is there any warranty that covers any, um, any issues with the surgery that, that would require, um, you know, additional um, you know, require the surgeon to go back in and, and, you know, repair anything that wasn't done sufficiently the first time. Actually, according to the American Medical Association, whatever surgery you have done, that, that surgeon is covering you for 90 days. So even if you are at the hospital and you have surgery and you need to go back in for the same thing, that's still covered under that global arrangement with the surgeon. So every surgery is covered for 90 days. That's through, you know, especially if they're board certified. Um, and so there shouldn't be a readmission. What's happening is, is that people that are going into the hospital are kept getting a hospital-borne infection, and then they're going in and they're going under the diagnosis code of the infection and not what the surgery was. So that's why they're getting billed again. If they were billed because of a complication due to the surgery, that would not be covered in a hospital. They would not be another bill. Right. So, so with your uh, ambulatory surgical centers and and the bundled pricing that you've negotiated, there's there's essentially a 90 day warranty where if something happens, you know they they go back in, they get it taken care of, and there's no additional cost. That's correct. Over that 90 day period, you can go in and see your surgeon as much as you want. If there's any complications or problems, he's there to answer and work with you for the next 90 days as often as you need it to be done. Got it. 
So can you give us um, just some examples of the type of, of services or surgeries that would be available through this, um, this network? Yeah, basically, um, for most ambulatory surgery centers, we do all of the orthopedic procedures, and that covers everything that can be done from spine to hip replacement, knee replacement, um, down to the simplest things like carpal tunnel and things like that. Outside of that general surgery, the nice thing about ambulatory surgery centers is they have a zero infection or a zero to 1% infection. People come in for the surgery and they go home the same day. So there's very little infection, but we can do hernia repairs to gallbladders, colonoscopies, um, almost anything that you can think of that can be done in an outpatient setting um, can be done in ASH. So it's, re it's really carving out all of those procedures and ambulatory surgery centers were made for employees. They're made for healthy people to go have surgery, get home, heal quickly and get back to work. That is the entire philosophy. It's always been how, do, how can we be more efficient? How can we use better technology? How do we get that employee back to work as quickly as we can? Got it. Makes sense. Um, when it when it comes to you know building out this this network because you you basically you know can work with with any employer wherever they have uh, employees correct that's correct okay so when you're so when you're contracting with you know ambulatory surgical centers and surgeons it, are you you know working with anyone who's who's just willing to give you a reasonable you know price pricing arrangement or are there quality filters to to who you're contracting with. No, I've got a 21-step vetting process that I go through to make sure that these are the best surgeons that a patient can go to. So I really look at where they went to school. They have to be board certified in their specialty. Um, they have to be the, the better doctors. They really are. We, we look at everything that they've done. We're looking at their patient outcome measures. We're looking at um, how their office, how they treat patients, the entire experience. Got it. Got it. So, so you know, if, if an employer, you know, comes to you and says, hey, we've got, you know, um, employees in, in multi-state, you know, you will go out and, and, and basically establish a, a custom network um, of ambulance preferred, you know, surgical centers where they can direct their employees for, you know, wide range of surgery. Correct. Correct. And we actually handle that on our side when they come to eat surgeries. We do all of the uh, case management. So we make all the appointments, hold their hands through the entire process. I mean, actually hold their hand all the way through um, physical therapy to actually make sure they get back to work. So we're looking at the whole episode of care, not just the surgery. We're like, you had surgery, but you need physical therapy to get back to where you need to be. We're going to follow you and work with you the entire time. Now, that's interesting uh, because, you know, I, I you know, it feels like healthcare can be pretty transactional. So, so, so you guys don't just, you know, provide the the surgery with the the employee. You're you're doing actually part of the um, part of the whole experience on the front end as well as the back end. That is correct. Yeah, we want to hold their hand. A lot of patients, like I said, as I've gone to these employer groups, nobody is really pushing physical therapy. And since I've been on the provider side, I'm like, in order for you to get better, you need to continue going to physical therapy. Surgeons can fix you, but it all deals with your muscles and how they're working and are you stretching them and getting them back to where they need to be. And so we and it's you're right, it's not a high transaction. Most physical therapists, the office visit $65. So it's not a high cost item. But if you don't do it, you don't get back to where you need to be. And so in that case, we just said, you know, we're going to actually track that outcome and know exactly how good this, this surgeon is. How long does it take with physical therapy to get back to work and really get that information and share it with the surgeon so they're also aware of, of how their patients are doing. Got it. So so how does an, an employee or patient engage with exclusive surgeries on the front end? Is there is there a number that they're going to call? Just explain the process from, from start to finish, you know, once an employer has established you as part of their, their benefit package. Okay. So most... Uh, we work with their TPA or whoever their caseworker is. They get access to our website. So they have a password to get in. They actually set up an account. 
for that patient and give us the information on the patient, what kind of surgeon they're looking for, what their needs are. We'll then ask, you know, get in touch with that that patient, give them the selection of surgeons within our network that they could see. Let them choose. And when I say we give them information about the surgeons, we give everything. We give them whatever papers the doctors have written if they've been part of FDA studies. They will be able to read thousands of articles and things written by these surgeons. So you're actually getting data on the surgeon you're going to, not just their name and office location. It's like, this is where he went to school. This was his residency. And he's been a part of these three research papers and have published this many papers. So once they've selected their their surgeon, we contact the surgeon, set up the appointment, and then basically start the process. Got it. So so really it's a, you know, how they get engaged with you. It's a handoff from from the TPA, you know, to to your team, at which point you're getting engaged with the employee to help them select a a provider within the, the ambulatory surgical center network. Correct. Um, okay. So, you know, if we, if let's, let's go back to the TPA then, right? So you have to be, um, you know, an employer has to be working with a, a TPA that, um, you know, is willing to, to integrate with, with your team. So, um, you know, are you, when it comes to working with the TPA, are you billing the TPA for the bundled price of the surgery or is that being built, uh, billed to the employer? It's going through the TPA. So it's going to go through just like every other claim. It goes on a billing form, goes to the TPA. They, they process the claim, pay the provider. Great. And that, and that way it can be applied to, you know, the employer's plan design, whether there be deductible co-insurance or copay. Correct. Perfect. And so, um, you know, I would imagine that, you know, not all TPAs are, you know, specifically willing to work with an organization like yours. And I'm thinking probably of more of the, uh, the big um, Anthem, Aetna, United uh, Blues, simply because, I mean, what your, what your product here does is it circumvents a traditional network. And so um, have, you, have you had challenges, you know, um, getting TPAs to, you know, to be willing to, you know, partner with your organization? Um, yes, it's been a challenge. I think for the last two years, we've been really fighting to get into the TPA world and get them to understand. Now they're looking at it because of the quality of the surgeons that I can bring. They're not in the Cigna network. They're not in the Blue Cross network. So I'm not really conflicting or, or getting patients to leave the Blue Cross. Let's use Blue Cross for an example. I'm not trying to get them to leave their network. I'm just saying that the doctors I offer and the bundles that I offer, you don't have in your system. You can't offer that to an employee because no one else really has perfected getting a doctor, surgeon, and and facility to work together to come up with a price. And so even if you can get it, to get it locally within your area is something that no one else is really doing. So that's where we think we've kind of come in and said, if you could offer this doctor and he was in your network, that would be great. It's just not happening. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're bringing to the TPAs, you know, higher quality physicians and, you know, price bundles that they simply can't get through a regular provider network that they may be renting. Correct. So, um, you know, one of the things with, with programs like yours is, you know, they're, they're essentially voluntary, right? An employee is going to have, uh, you know, an option. They may have a specialist who recommends them to a specific surgeon. Um, but, you know, for, for, for really for your, you know, 
company to work and, and for an employer to, you know, realize cost savings, it's all about volume, right? Correct. Um, because there's, you know, there's going to be uh, a financial impact of savings, but that's just going to depend, you know, quite simply on how often it's used by employees. So how are you working with, with brokers and employers to actually market this solution to employees? And, and what's the, what's the typical utilization in, in year one and subsequent years? Right. So we're just now rolling out to most of our TPAs and because we're, the easiest answer is, is I'm bringing them the people that they want to go to. So I just met with an employer group not long ago, and they're like, we want to see the following five surgeons. I said, that's great. They're already in my network. I've already met with that administrator. We can work with them. And then they start talking about other specialty, specialties that they wanted. I already had those providers. They didn't have access to them through their Cigna network. So they're like, well, if you can get us this surgeon, that's exactly who I want to go to. That's what I want. So we're offering them the, the surgeons they want to go to. And, and like I said, it is voluntary. They do have to choose. Yes, I like that. If my primary care doctor, you know, has referred me to someone else, then I would say basically ask your primary care doctor if he knows of this surgeon, if he would also recommend him and kind of let the employee go back. Most primary care doctors would love to send patients to my doctors, but since they're out of network, they're just not on a list that they have in the doctor's office. You know, every doctor's office has a list of all of the Aetna providers and the Cigna providers. So they try to stay within that network when they actually give referrals. They don't know that they've got the ability to send them to that best surgeon. It's never been an option. Well, and they also probably don't know that, you know, that they might be sending their employees to a more cost-efficient option. Correct. They never will. They don't, they don't have the ability to look at that. So with with the groups that you've been working with so far, you know, have any of the employers been including any benefit design incentives to steer employees to, you know, your your ambulatory surgical centers? For most of the ones we're working with now, they do. They'll, they'll cover the deductible and the copay. So when the patient goes, they don't have to pay anything because I've already proven to them that our cost savings is going to add so much value to them that they don't want to impact the employee by having them choose somewhere else. So they're like, if we can have them go through your network, we're going to save money. We know they're going to have a great outcome and we're going to get the employee back. So it's, it's just a win-win for everybody. Yeah. I, I think we've, we, we refer to that on this, on the show as, as aligning the incentives, right? If there's a higher quality, lower cost option that's available to employees, well, quite frankly, we should be incentivizing employees to make the right decision. And, you know, part of that, you know, absolutely has to do with benefit design and waiving co-insurance, waiving deductible, you know, or, you know, completely eliminating any employee cost to go to the higher quality, lower cost uh, option is, uh, is I think, the the right type of incentive for employers to consider. Yep. So, and like I said, most of them are going in that direction because they just, they want to make it easy. They don't, they, we want to take out some of these hurdles that the uh, employee is facing. And in order to have your employees at 100%, if they do need to have, let's say, a rotator cuff surgery, they're not 100%. Now, whether or not that employee is going to take the step to have surgery, it, a lot of it depends on can they afford to actually do that surgery? So yeah, when there is an incentive there, the patient can get the services they need and that employee actually does receive the benefit that the employer is trying to give them. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's just one of the things I love about the, the whole concept of a bundled price, um, which really isn't, isn't anything revolutionary. Um, you know, that's how most, you know, goods and services operate. It's, mm-hmm. it's a negotiated price. It's transparent for, you know, the particular good or service that the consumer is searching for. It's only in healthcare that we have this warped system where, you know, trying to understand what price is um, and, and its components is, is a complex, uh, 
endeavor. So we, we've talked about an, a number of um, items here about the program. One of the things we haven't talked about yet is cost. So what is the, the fee structure? What is the cost for an employer to sign up with exclusive surgery? <clears throat> there's no cost to sign up. What we do is we actually add, so it's only when you use the surgeries that there's actually any cost at all. So if you add us to your plan and no employees use, you, use us and there's no cost, we're not doing like a PE, PN model or anything else. We just charge per surgery. Um, and that's based anywhere from a 10 to 20% on the actual surgery itself um, that's billed directly to the employer. Got it. Got it. And so that would be part of the the fee that's billed to the TPA, correct? Correct. Yeah. It's all bundled together. When they see a price, it includes our fee as well as all the rest of the fees. Got it. Okay. And are there any implementation fees? No. Perfect. So, I mean, from an employer standpoint, I mean, this the, you know, adding something like this is relatively frictionless. There's no upfront cost. It's really just a matter of, you know, getting their, their TPA to, to work with you and be able to adjudicate, you know, the claim on the back end uh, when it comes in and pay it quickly. Correct. Correct. And we send the bills the same way. So we use the UBO4 form. We use the CMS 1500. So we're using the exact same billing forms. You can file them electronically. There isn't anything um, different than a normal claim that you'd be getting. Got it. So, so in, in your mind, you know, you know, who who is this a good fit for and, and, and who is it not a good fit for? Do you guys currently have any any size, employer size, um, you know, limitations on, on who you're willing to offer it to? No, we don't have a problem offering to anyone. I mean, we're, you know, a patient is a patient, so I want to get my surgeons as many patients as I possibly can. It all depends if they have the benefit that's there. So it really is all based on the benefit plan design. Most of them now have some type of cost containment that's written into their plan. So as long as they've got that verbiage, then we're allowed to go to almost every employer. And, and the nice thing is just so we can add that the employers, the best ones are actually the national ones because they always do a great job of getting good benefits for like where their corporate headquarters is, but then they have their PPO benefits for everybody else. And they're the ones that end up with those high costs for the out of area. And that's what we eliminate. So our network costs across the country are all the same. It, you don't, it doesn't really change if you're in Phoenix or if you're in New Jersey or wherever that surgeon happens to be. And they can have access to everyone at the same price point. Yeah, what a, what a novelty in a... <laughs> in a country where, you know, price can vary by hundreds of percent, you know, two and three times, depending on where you go. And so on a national basis, you know, the employer is going to, is going to basically be able to access the same pricing for the list of services, regardless of whether it's in Texas or Oklahoma, Michigan, or California. Correct. We also have a, a medical record system that we actually keep ourselves so that other doctors that are taking care of those patients can access those medical records very easily. So if I've got a patient who's had surgery in Phoenix and then travels to Atlanta, like some of our Southwest pilots, um, they can access the exact same record and say, wait, you just had surgery three months ago. You're having physical therapy. I'm not starting over with a new MRI and starting treatment again. I'm going to continue the treatment you're already in. And that's going to save so much money to these employers because everyone just starts over again. Oh, it's a brand new patient. Let's start from the word go. And we don't want that. We're like, if you've already had services, let's make sure that those medical records are easy to access and that the doctors can continue treatment. So do you initiate that process or is it up to the employee to be able to transfer the records? Nope. We have everything on ours. When the doctors, when they do um, their services, we get all of the records afterwards in order to, to bill properly. We get the entire operative record. So if there's any problems and the patients want access to it, we can give it to them. But it's in a very simple format that everyone can get their hands on with permission from the patient, of course the patient has to give permission for them to to let anyone look at them but once they approve that then yeah 
Very good. So, you know, your, your company is relatively young, uh, Suzanne. So, you know, since you've launched it, how many employers have implemented your service? We've got about three TPAs. So it's hard because every TPA has a, a host of employers that they're working with. So we're working with them and rolling it out. But we've got about four covering maybe 50 to 80,000 lives right now. Got it. Okay. So it really depends on on the uh, the TPA and the number of clients that they've they've actually rolled it out to. Correct. Okay. Um, and so, so for just to just to confirm, so you know, an employer that's interested in this, you know, they can work with their their broker consultant to you know approach your organization, and you know, they can work to establish a relationship with a new TPA. Um, you know, they're not limited to just the current TPAs that you work with. Correct. Oh, absolutely. Right. They can they can just go to our website, say we're interested, and we'll contact them with the right person and get them started. Are there any specific industries or sectors where you're having, um, you know, the most success or, or is it broad based? It's broad based. Yeah, we, we basically do every what I've heard the most from the employers is that they're just excited to get more options to have those the other options to get doctors that aren't typically in their network. It's just been life changing for them. And so, yeah, we can go into any sector, any area of the country. Uh, there's over 7,500 ambulatory surgery centers across the country. So there isn't anywhere that we don't have coverage. Got it. And so as you're, as you're having dialogues with employers, um, you know, are there, are there any obstacles that you've encountered to an employer saying yes to, to this service? I think the biggest obstacle is for them to understand how would it work because it's just outside of what they normally do. They're like, we're used to offering our benefits. This is kind of what we've done. You're coming in and saying, if we change things and people just don't like change, they like to stay with the same old, even though they know it's not efficient <laughs> or uh, effective. So that's the biggest thing is just to get those, those TPAs that go, yeah, this really makes a lot of sense. Um, and like I said, a lot of the employers are offering medical tourism now, which means that they go outside of their area for surgery. And we're, I'm totally against that. I'm like, you have surgery in your local area where you've got a local provider who can take care of you for those 90 days, go as often as you want. Pretty hard if you have to fly out of state to see your surgeon, you're not going to do it. So we really want things in your local area where, where you live um, and to utilize just the very best surgeon. So it's pretty simple and straightforward. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you, you, you brought that up because it brings up a question um, that uh, I'd wanted to ask, but I'd forgotten about, you know, I can see how, um, you know, this, this service would be effective in metropolitan areas because there's likely going to be a, um, you know, a good number of ambulatory surgical centers with uh, physicians, high quality physicians for you to reach out to. But what about, you know, in, in rural areas where the providers and the, the ambulatory surgical centers may be limited? And, and quite frankly, I'm thinking, you know, just in my, you know, uh, you know, side of the country here, you know, California is a good example, right? I mean, you have your major metropolitan areas, but there's, there's plenty of rural areas with, with larger employers and Central Coast and Central Valley. And so can can this be effective in rural areas as well? It really is. We actually have found that in most of the rural areas, we actually have more ambulatory surgery centers than they do have access to the hospital. So they may be traveling right now an hour and 20 minutes to get to their local Mayo or, or larger hospital. And on the way, they pass five to seven ambulatory surgery centers. Most people just don't know where they are because they're in shopping centers. They're, they're small. Some of them are one to two rooms. They look in a, almost the same size as your local dentist office. So they're not these huge facilities that, and that's why we can, <clears throat> why we're able to do the bundles because it's not as expensive to run. I mean, you're coming in, it's just surgery. You've got an OR and you've got some other things. That's it. You don't have those added expenses. So that's why the, the place of service really matters. Is there anything right now that, that you're, you're really excited about um, in your business? Any, any improvements or enhancements to the service that are work, in the works for the future? 
Yeah, I think I think really right now, now that we've got all of our programming finished on <clears throat> on our side, so that it really is seamless for all of the TPAs, for everyone to for the caseworkers to really access that data. So they're not working from like a concept or a, <clears throat> a letter of medical necessity. They're actually seeing real medical records that they can read and see pictures of the surgery and what was done, which is revolutionary. Because even in your basic um, EMR system that a doctor would have, they can't store all the pictures and, and store all the things that they have. So they're normally put away in storage. Here we're giving the caseworkers and everyone else access to, this is really what the surgery happened. And then here's all the outcomes that have followed, whether or not they got infected whether or not they got back to work quickly. Um, so really following it and getting all of those things in alignment that the physical therapist is now adding the notes to the same system, that we now have everything in one place. So when an employer says, well, how did things go? We know everything from the minute that they started their consult till they finished physical therapy, how long it took, any problems that they had, and it's all in one place. Got it. So I think that's I think that's pretty cool. I think uh, you know, and and it's those are the types of improvements we should be seeing with you know increases in technology uh, that that hopefully yield you know better results and lower costs. Now I think part of the frustration with most employers in the marketplace is that you know even with all the advances in technology uh, to be able to do things like that is that you know we're still seeing you know high medical inflation you know year in and year out. Suzanne, if there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? Um, I think the only one question I looked at is just we're only in the United States. So for a lot of people, they're kind of offering surgery, other other countries and other things. We're all in the United States. All of our employees are in the United States. We're not um, we're doing everything with local employees um, and really not outsourcing anything. It's all done um, here in the States. All right. And so, you know, for 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 audience that's listening and, and for, for people that are interested in in your service, um, other than working with their their broker, uh, respective broker consultants, you know, how can they uh, get in touch with you and, and find more information? Um, our website is esurgeries.com. So they can go to esurgeries. Um, give us, you know, if they're a TPA or an employer or even a patient that wants to know if there's anyone locally that's using us, um, just go to our website, give us your information. We'll have someone, um, the appropriate person contact you back. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Suzanne, on behalf of our, our listeners and myself, uh, I want to thank you for taking time out of your, your schedule to join us today. I think it's been a uh, you know, great discussion. And uh, I think uh, for those employers who are you know, interested in, you know, alternative solutions to lower their, their costs. I think, I think this is going to be pretty intriguing. Thank you so much. To our listeners, we, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please do subscribe to the podcast and share it with any of your friends and colleagues you think would enjoy the show. And with that, we will sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Exclusive Surgery Solutions website and contact information. Lastly, be sure to check out some of the free resources on our website, including our Health Plan Innovator Scorecard, where you can see just how innovative your health plan is. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.